It's been a while. I think it's been since the end of July. Um, we've we've kind of caught our bearing, gotten back to a little routine of school. Griffin's back in Phoenix. Uh, Peyton is at home in Knoxville. He's doing his show through Fox Sports, so he'll be with us sometimes. He's not with us today. Just Gabe Schwartz, Griffin Peters on the show today. We're talking the return to college football and a little bit of college basketball news with this this potential college basketball uh I think the the trademark being battled for is battle in the bubble. I think, yeah, I think that's what I've heard also. Yeah. So, so let's talk about first, let's go to the college football landscape and just, just see we've had our first weekend of college football this past Saturday. Um, and we've had, we had games last night, BYU kind of thumped Navy. So I, the, for the first question I want to ask you, Griff is, is did BYU get robbed of a real, of a real year and a real chance to, make some noise well it seems so because BYU they even have they've had some injuries they've had some players not available and they still went out there against a Navy team that's in the past especially last year looked pretty good especially running the football and they just dominated them from the from the first snap to the very last play of the game I mean I was not expecting that I mean I know Trevor I know Trevor and I bet a taco on BYU and Navy, and I was fairly confident saying BYU was going to win me the taco, but I wasn't confident enough that they were going to score 55 points. So, I mean, no, ASU was supposed to play BYU this year, and they so far are next year, hopefully. I mean, just nothing certain at this point. But seeing seeing this team against what schedule they should have had, and I know you have the schedule pulled up so we can go over that, but – man, it seems like this team can do some damage, kind of like the BYU basketball team last year that was robbed of their chance to see how far they could have gotten the NCAA tournament. It looks like this team's going to get, you know, robbed of a chance to see what they could have done with a full schedule. Yeah, because I, I fully believe that they will go 8-0 or 9-0 against this the schedule that they're playing, uh, considering that Navy was – one of their three hardest games and they won by 52 points. Um, so here's, here's their original schedule that you, you had just mentioned. Uh, they had the Holy War to start at Utah. Then they played Michigan State at home at Arizona State, like you mentioned, at Minnesota, Utah State at home, Missouri at home, Houston at home, Northern Illinois on the road. Then a bye week at Boise State, San Diego State at home, North Alabama, and then at Stanford. So if, like, in theory, I, we're probably massively overreacting to one thumping of, of a Navy team that had no crowd to support it and get it going <laughs> after it got down early. Um, but if that's the way that BYU controls the line of scrimmage against a decently physical Navy team, um, granted, Navy didn't – like, granted, Navy did said – that they did not practice tackling at all this fall, which is, oh, which is a horrible sign. Um, but if, if they were able to do that against Navy, I think they could have done it against plenty of teams. And if they had ran the table or gone 11 and one against that schedule, that's a lot of ranked teams and a lot of really good uh, tokens on their, on their resume. 
Absolutely. That's definitely a schedule where if you perform well enough and if they perform like they did against all those other teams, I mean, you've got, you've got a couple Pac-12 teams turning there. you got Mizzou, although Mizzou's not the best SEC team. I mean, BYU putting an SEC team on their schedule is still something to note down. Um, you just do that, and you're looking at a potential – I mean, potential big bowl game they could be playing in if they were to, like, play well – maybe drop one or two games, maybe. I would doubt they would drop one in their conference, but they dropped one at one or two out of conference there and went on. I could see them being bottom 20s, maybe just outside in the 26, 27 spot in the AP poll and getting into a good bowl game. And BYU just hasn't been in one of those for a while, so that would have been exciting to see. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see once, once the season um, plays out whether – where how much respect the AP voters will give them as they uh, keep going. I, overall, though, your thoughts on what you've seen from college football, what the view, I think the main thing to hit on is what the viewing experience has been like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's 100% what it is. And I think with all the new sports, it's kind of been how are we going to adjust to watching this? And I think, you know, the NBA has just been the golden standard for, I think, everything i mean they as far as i mean the nba viewing experience is great but it is a lot different on football field the noise has always been a factor you always talk about quarterbacks having to when they plug their ears like this and their helmets trying to listen like that's always a big thing and we're not going to have that this year even with pumped in crowd noise it's not going to be as loud it's just going to sound like it's like a practice almost so watching the football games the first thing i'll point out is that espn's new graphics are great i love yeah. them the big scoreboard and the small scoreboard i love them both um, I know a lot of people are saying the big one's a little bit um, – I don't know what to say. I don't want to say – I don't know if the clunky is the right word, but it's just very – it just pops a lot. So I feel like it could take attention away from the games. Personally, I like it, though, having it. It's easy on the eyes. It's right there. I don't tend to have problems focusing on the action, so I like it. Um, but as far as, you know, watching football with the crowd, I don't think it's as bad as I thought it was going to be. Watching the BYU-Navy game last night – I mean, yeah, BYU was blowing them out, so I guess it kind of felt more fitting that it was that quiet because it probably would have been about that quiet anyways if the score <laughs> was that bad. But I was sitting there watching. It's like, you know, these guys are – the emotion's still there. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's football, right? These guys tune out that crowd noise. I mean, sure, they can feed off of it, but for majority of the game, they're not focused on that, and then they're going out just laying it all on the line for each game. So that's the great part about the sport. And I think you still see that. And if you're just a hardcore fan and you can just appreciate the way the game's played, I think you're fine. I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. You got to do what you got to do to keep these kids safe and get them on the field in the first place. So props to all the schools that are able to do that. And, you know, nothing against the schools that aren't playing, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and all the other conferences. But, you know, it's, it's, been, it's taken a great effort to get to where they're at to even get them on the field. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been some people – on Twitter poking holes in the, and, and there's been some medical people who have said that the, the medical study that they, that they cited for the big 10 and the PAC 12 was done on wrong data and all that such. So, so I don't know if, if we're going to look down the road and eventually say, maybe they pulled the plug too early or they, they got bad data, but in terms of the viewing experience of the first weekend, I mean, I was tuned in, I think last Thursday night when it was the South Alabama Southern Miss game. Mm-hmm. And even just having a, a really small little under bet going for me, having just that on the line uh, yeah. for shout out the money line as we'll, we'll be talking gambling 
later today with with Trevor, and that'll be up. Uh, so look out for that in your in your podcast feed as well. But even just having that kept me on the line in a game that was relatively but not crazy competitive, and only had twenty percent capacity. And I would say the twenty percent capacity is clearly better than the nothing that there was at Navy last night. Yeah. Um, but it's also just a matter of the game wasn't very close. Like I watched the army middle Tennessee game on Saturday and they had a bunch of the students there bouncing up and down. There was a super hype video out on Twitter of, of the atmosphere in there where all the, all the students are just masked up and it's nothing but students and, and the players and the coaches there. And it looks like a great time, but the game was 59 to nothing. So, so if we start getting some competitive games here too, I can only imagine how much better it is. The true, the true lesson is we just know how much we all miss football. And I know that this is a college college sports show and we talk mostly about college football, college basketball, but I, I am just so excited to see what the NFL provides um, because relatively uncompetitive college football games have been great. So I can't imagine what, with no fans. So I can't imagine what 25% NFL capacity stadiums with better players and more competitive outcomes will be. Yeah, absolutely. We always talk about the greatest equalizer. And when we talk, I mean, college hoops during, during the spring, the greatest equalizer is neutral court. Mm-hmm. And this is basically every game time. I mean, obviously college sports where we're at, we, we, we like watching the NFL. Okay. We're, we're humans, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we love the NFL as much as, I mean, personally, I love the NFL as much as I love college football. So it's, you know, seeing that at the NFL level, and even at the college level, when we get into SEC conference games, we get into the ACC conference games, the big 12 conference games, even conference USA, like the top of that conference is going to be a crazy race. And you have all those teams on basically neutral field outside of maybe a bus or team plane ride, like one or two hours to go to wherever they're playing that week. It, it, it's not going to matter all that much. It's just going to be which team is better on that given, on that given Saturday or Sunday. And that's what I'm really excited to see too. Yeah. I, I think um, it will be very interesting to see uh, what the non home field. I think that it, in my opinion, I think these schools, these teams, uh, whether it's the NFL or college football, I think if there's no fans there, I am 100% down for them to be able to pump noise because you, unlike in basketball, where all the rule changes that can be dictated to give home court advantage are like, give the ball at the start of the quarter or like all of these fake ideas that they came up with for the NBA bubble, that that just, it seems way too gimmicky at least this where it's just pumping some noise is you're just recreating what the situation would truly be like in a fair scenario. Yeah. And it's not Um, like in the NBA, how it's possession by possession in the NFL NFL, and and football in general, there's, there's breaks between downs. So if it's like a big third down, you can turn that, you got time to turn that crowd noise up a little bit louder. And if it's just a normal first and 10 start of the drive, yeah, people just chattering, you know, watching the game and just have normal crowd noise. Like that you in football you have the ability to change the volume without time to react. In the NBA or in the NBA, college basketball, even with MLB and baseball, you just don't have time to really change the volume for situations like that. I feel like football is the one sport that could actually do that. Yeah, so so I think it's been a, it's been great to see um, let's talk because this is going to be the first weekend where we get some Power 5 games. Let's talk about what we're expecting from the ACC, SEC, Big 12. And, and we'll include 
for all intents and purposes, because there's no Big Ten, because there's no uh, Pac-12 this this fall until some people are saying November uh, or December. We'll see what we'll see if that actually happens. We'll talk. We'll include the American in there and make it uh, the Power Four of this fall. Yeah, uh, because I know I know we will probably be watching some Memphis football, some SMU football this fall, given that there won't be uh, any Pac-12. So I'll let you choose, Griff. Which which conference most intrigues you, and and what do you foresee being the conference championship game and the conference champion? Okay, honestly, I kind of want to start with the American. I think it's going to be. I think this American race is going to be so great. It's going to be. It's going to be awesome. Cincinnati's a good team. UCF, SMU, Temple was a good team last year. You got Memphis. Unfortunately, Houston couldn't keep De'Ara King because I think they would be right there in the race with all these teams, and this conference would just be a top-to-bottom battle. Gabe, I know Tulane's not very good, but I know that Roll Wave shirt is coming in at some point this year on Saturday, so I know that'll be there. We can still root for Tulane on the show. And then, I mean, Navy, tough performance, but, you know, Navy's going to be a fighting team in that conference as well. So if we're going to go thing, I mean, I'm just looking forward to that race at the top with UCF, SMU, Memphis, in Cincinnati, those four teams, and Temple is kind of a sleeper. Watching those five teams going at it in this shortened season is going to be it's going to be an intense race. So I'm going to go with the two teams that will meet in the conference championship. I think UCF will be there, and I'm going to say Memphis will be there. Those are the two teams I'm going to go with. I'm going to take UCF to win. You know, UCF was a team that's been going – I mean, this has been the team of the conference basically the last three years. And last year they had a three-loss season, by, and all three losses came by less than seven points. So this is a team that everyone thought like kind of fell off last year, but really they just lost a couple close games. If those go the other way, they're back in the championship game and potentially even going to a good bowl game. So I think UCF comes out this season. We talked about great equalizer, better team that week wins. I think UCF is going to be a solid team this year in the American. I see them winning it. Player of the year. Ooh, this is tough. There's a, there's a few options here, and I think – Hmm. This is tough because I think – I mean, if De'Ara King was here, this is an easy pick, right? But I think I'm going to go Brady White for Memphis. I think he's going to have a good season. Obviously, I think Memphis is going to get to the championship game against UCF. They might not win it, but if Brady White has a big year and gets Memphis there, I think you can't – I think you cannot give it to him. And he had a good year last year and looked really good for Memphis. So, I like Brady White this year. Former former Hart High School alum from the Santa Clarita Valley. So, shout out to, so shout out to um, Brady White. So I, I agree with you. I think that this is a super intriguing race. Uh, the top of the conference has a lot of teams that in a, in a normal year would be giving power five teams fits. Uh, UCF was kind of weird back when we were pretending that we were going to have a normal season and we were talking about Heisman candidates. Um, I was saying, I thought Sam Howell could get off to a, a hot start with the Heisman candidacy by going on the road to UCF and making a statement. It would have been a tough game. It would have been a game where he, I think the game flow would have trended toward a, a high scoring affair. I think North Carolina is probably the better team. They probably would have etched out that win. So with that being said, I'm not sure if Mackenzie Milton is, is medically cleared or not to play. I haven't yeah. gotten that far. But I think that UCF, whether it's him or whether it is uh, Gabriel, the other quarterback for them, if he's – I don't think he's – yeah, Dylan Gabriel. I don't know if, if 
which one will be starting, but either way, UCF is going to be competitive. I think that's a safe bet. I still, just like you, I like Memphis over UCF because I like, I know Brady White is going to be elite. Um, I know that Memphis is going to be great. It's really just a question of how much, how much of a drop off is there with Mike Norvell as the head coach at Florida state now? Yeah, exactly. And I think the tough part with selecting Brady White for player of the year is if Mackenzie Milton is healthy, we know what kind of talent he is. And if he's going to be the quarterback of the team that wins the conference and goes to a good bowl game like that, it's going to be tough. But like you said, we don't know what his medical status is. And I, Brady White just showed too much last year for me. If he's fully healthy, he can easily take that award. So, And there's – I don't think that there's a conference – like a, I don't believe that there's a comeback player of the year uh, – award or whatever but Mackenzie Milton coming back from that injury is super impressive and and great to see I think the second conference um let's go to the big 12 where I think that this is going to be an interesting one because not for any different teams or anything I think we're going to have mainly the top stay the top uh Baylor may drop off with Matt Rule gone uh we'll see what Oklahoma State does with all the, the situation surrounding Mike Gundy and whether his team trust him and whatever. But I think just like normal, we're all, we're going to have Boomer Sooner against Hook'em Horns, Oklahoma and Texas, I think are the top two teams in this conference. And I'm going to take Oklahoma to beat Texas, despite the fact that they're going to be starting Spencer Rattler, who has not started a game since his days at Pinnacle High School. Sure. Trevor's favorite player in college football, probably this for this upcoming season. That's true. Yeah, I like that. You got who you got for a player of the year? I'm gonna. Well, I I would spoil my. I don't know if they're still handing out the Heisman, but if they are handing out the Heisman, Spencer Rattler's my pick, and so for that, he's definitely my Big Twelve Player of the Year pick. My my second place pick though is is Chuba. Yeah, I, I that is right on point. Straight from Pinnacle High School to the Heisman pose. For Rattler. I love to see it. I know Trevor's going to love to see it. Yeah, but, I mean, talk about the Big 12. I mean, this this conference is, you know, year in and year out. It's just high-powered offense. You know, Baylor last year was a big surprise. And I honestly don't think Baylor is going to be as big of a drop-off as people think. I don't think they're going to compete to be at the top of the conference like they were last year. But Matt Rule is a great coach. But this is still a Baylor program that was getting things turned around. Just because Matt Rule left doesn't mean that – what he started isn't going to be finished. I mean, they're, they're not having the team they did last year. You lose Denzel Mims, a receiver of that quality. I mean, it's just going to be – you're not going to see that same production out there. And they lost a few guys on defense as well. So, it's not going to be the same team, but I don't think they're going to be a bottom feeder of this conference just in one year. They'll probably finish around fourth, fifth, potentially sixth at the worst. But I think top two teams – for me, I mean, Oklahoma, Penn, I mean, Penn, just mark it down. They're going to be up there in the top two at least. And I've actually got Oklahoma State going to be second. I know we talked about Gundy and all these things, but at the end of the day, if they end up putting all this off-field stuff aside and they just get out there, this team is very talented, one of the most talented teams they've had in a few years. So you're going to have this team competing. I'd just love to see an Oklahoma-Oklahoma State Big 12 championship. I think that would be electric. I think it would be a really good game. I would still take Oklahoma to win it. I, I mean, I just can't go against Lincoln Riley in that offense, especially with a quarterback like Spencer Rattler, who I think is going to have a good season. I don't know about Heisman. That's 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 some big talk. But, you know, if he has a good year, I don't put it by him. And uh, I'd have Oklahoma winning that game, but I'd have Chuba Hubbard winning the player of the year. Okay. I I think – I mean, everybody, everybody – we've said the same thing with all these Oklahoma quarterbacks. It's been how good can they be 
in year one with Lincoln Riley. And then Baker Mayfield did it with, I mean, he had two years. And yeah. so after, after Baker was there, everybody was like, well, can Kyler do it in his, his was a starter. He did it. Can yeah. Jalen Hurts do it. He can do it. And I don't know why you would believe anything other than that Spencer Rattler can do it when he's arguably more talented than, than all of the other ones throwing the ball. Throwing the ball, throwing the ball yeah. 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 And I, agree. I agree. I think Oklahoma's just too special with that offense. And I think it'll, it'll – we may be shaping up for a year where because the Big Ten and the Pac-12 drop out, if, if we get a college football playoff, might be two SEC teams, Clemson and – Oklahoma in there to get thumped in that one of four matchup again. <laughs> so <laughs> all is good and well in the college football universe, if that's the case. Um, let's go to the ACC. This is one where it's interesting because rather than having the coastal division and the Atlantic division, they're just playing the top two teams go to the conference championship game. And we get Notre Dame in the conference this year. Mm-hmm. So, question for you is how much are you believing in Ian book and the fighting Irish? And do you, do you have them in your conference championship game? I think we talked about it a little bit when we were doing our Heisman sleepers over the summer. I can't remember, but I talked about Ian book a little bit and I said, I don't think I ended up picking him, but I think Notre Dame playing in an actual conference this year is going to be so interesting. I think, Last year, they were a solid team, but didn't really live up to their expectations. I think they come into the ACC, and they do really well. I think Ian Book, I think they'll at least be in the top two. Um, it's gonna, I think the top three, and it's clear for me, it's obviously Clemson, Notre Dame, and then North Carolina. Yeah. Um, those three, I think Miami's going to be sneaky this year. I mean, Florida State, we'll, we'll see what they do, but – it's really those three teams, and depending how good North Carolina is with the with the loaded recruiting class and classes they have coming, just not even for this year, but for the next few years. But they've got really good recruits coming in. Sam Howell was one of the most electric quarterbacks last year as a freshman. Can't wait to see what he can do as a sophomore. So depending on how good they are, they could be second. I have them at least locked in at third, and then they could go up anywhere from that. So, but I'm going based off of all that, it's – Clemson, Notre Dame, ACC championship game. And I'm going to, I can't bet against Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. Yeah. I, just, if that's, you, I, I can't sit here and reasonably explain to you, Gabe, or even anybody with a straight face, at least, and not like at least laugh about it that, oh yeah, Clemson's not winning the ACC. Like what, like that, that you just can't do that to one of the greatest quarterbacks that that school has ever seen. And Ian Book, Ian Book head-to-head with Trevor Lawrence, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And for player of the year, I mean, it's got to be either Sam Howell or Trevor Lawrence. Unfortunately, it's like if Trevor Lawrence wins the ACC championship, he's probably going to be – and he's going to be in the Heisman race, just like Sam Howell will probably be in the Heisman race. But I can't – again, I can't sit here and give you a bunch of good reasons of why Trevor Lawrence wouldn't win it ahead of – or wouldn't win it instead of Sam Howell. So, I'm going Trevor Lawrence. I think uh... – It'll be interesting to see if, if Sam Howell is able to live up to the expectations that we have. Um, I think the 55 to 13 win over Temple in that, in the, in their bowl game really had people buying his stock late, but, and I'm not a huge believer in Ian book, but if Ian book does what he's supposed to do and lives Notre Dame up to expectations, he will be in that conversation. If Derek King 
uh, puts Miami back on track, he will be in that conversation. I don't believe that either of those things will happen. Um, and I don't believe that Notre Dame is going to be able to beat Clemson when it matters. And so for, so for that, I'm going to stick it with stick with Trevor Lawrence um, as my pick. But I think it's I think it's I think Clemson is a lock to make the the ACC title game, and I think the second spot is Notre Dame or Clemson. I think the the surrounding pieces are what's going to get Notre Dame there. But North Carolina, with all the recruits coming in, with all this, this is really just a season where I think personally it's a it's a giant tune up for next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, to really go big and go broke on Sam Howell's junior year, probably before he leaves for the NFL. Yep. Teach so, these young guys how to win before yeah. it becomes expected for them to win. This yeah. is this is going to be the year that North Carolina needs to learn how to win big games. And if they can win even one big game this year, that's going to be enough for them to go into next year. Like, hey, you guys did it. Now look at our roster around us and let's go do it and go to a big bowl game and go win that. So, yeah. So, I'm going to go with, at the end of the day, Clemson over Notre Dame. But I would absolutely love to see, and because I said uh, I had Sam Howell as one of my Heisman sleepers back in, in August, or, or not in August, in late July or early early July, um, I would love to see North Carolina contend for that ACC title. And I would love for Sam Howell to, to push Trevor Lawrence as the best quarterback in this conference this, this season. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. Lastly, we'll get to the SEC. Uh, we've had a lot of talk about this. I know you're super, you're super high on Kyle Trask this year for Florida, chomp, chomp. And yes. you got Florida, you got Georgia, you've got LSU minus Joe Burrow, Alabama and Auburn. Um, who sticks out to you? Okay, so this is – I mean, we're going to start with the SEC East. And you mentioned Florida. I mean, I talked about Kyle Trask. You can see it on our Twitter. You can go back to our – podcast about Heisman Dark Horses and I had Kyle Trask in there. He's one Kyle Trask and Keaton Slovis. Unfortunately Slovis won't be playing football until probably either November, December, or spring. Um, but Kyle Trask will be playing and I think Florida is the team that comes out of the I I will call it a three horse race, although some people probably think it's not three horse. I think Tennessee's gonna be way better this year. And I think they're gonna at least be third in that conference. They'll and they'll give Georgia maybe a run for a second. I don't think so. It's Georgia and Florida, and then I think Florida ends up winning the SEC East and getting to that SEC title game. And the SEC West, I, there's a lot of talk. I want to get your thoughts on this, but, I mean, I'm taking Alabama, right? Roll Tide, simple pick. I'll take Auburn is getting second in there. And I've got – it's Alabama-Florida SEC championship game. I'm going Florida. I'm just – I'm really too deep on this Florida hype train to not go all in on them this year. So, I might as well just say Florida to the, to the natty at this point. Oh, my. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lock that in just yet, but I am pretty deep in this Florida hype train right now. So, I, I've got, I got to kind of ride it. So, I'm riding Florida to win the SEC Kyle Trask, obviously, if they win, is going to win player of the year. So, that's those are my picks there. But I'm also really interested. There's a lot of people hyping up Texas A&M this year. And I want to get your thoughts on what you think of Texas A&M and what they could do in the SEC West. And then, obviously, your picks along with that. I think uh, I have been talked into um, the general consensus of the college football media that Kellen Mond could be an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, 
it hasn't happened and I don't foresee it ever happening. And so for that, I, I don't think that they'll finish higher than fourth in this division, which isn't because they stink. Um, but more so because it's hard to win games in the sec West. And even if miles Brennan is just average for LSU, I still think they're the third best team in that, in that division. Even without Jimmy Chase, they're still just so talented. And and if there's a team in that elite top group of the SEC West that I think is going to get upset by Ole Miss and John Reese Plumley or by Mississippi State and Mike Leach and KJ Costello transferring in from Stanford, mm-hmm. it's going to be Texas A&M. I don't think that Mississippi State is going to roll into uh, Baton Rouge and beat LSU or, or they're going to play Auburn and, and beat Bo Nix and the boys. Uh, or take down Nick Saban, but I certainly could see those teams giving Texas A&M a game and Texas A&M folding over and Kellen Mond throwing a couple late picks that seals the deal. So I'm out on Kellen Mond as as a as a championship level quarterback for for them. And if it happens, I would be shocked. Um, so I'm going to go Alabama winning the West. I think I think Auburn is going to be second just because I think the quarterback play is going to be better than LSU will with Miles Brennan. Even though LSU's roster is super talented. I know they no longer get Jamar Chase. So to go along with losing Justin Jefferson and uh, Thaddeus Moss, they also lose Jamar Chase. So that whole receiving group is gone. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be dominating for the Chiefs instead Mm -hmm. of dominating in their backfield. And so there's just such a loss of production. They lose all the production. They lose – uh, Joe Brady as their passing game coordinator. He went to the Panthers. That is huge. So they just lost everything. They lose the Heisman winner too. Um, I just don't foresee a circumstance where LSU finishes above Alabama. Um, I don't force Auburn, let alone Alabama. I think Alabama is going to get back on top. Um, you have Florida winning it all in the SEC and going to the playoff, I think Georgia's going to beat Florida. They just kind of have their number. And I really like JT Daniels from what I've seen. If he stays healthy, um, I think he fits Georgia's system probably better than it, that he fits USC's. Um, and I like what Kirby Smart's doing. I think Kirby Smart is a national championship away from really legitimizing what he's built. And in a lot of ways, he's what Ed Orgeron was before – really getting Burrow and, and figuring things out. So I'm going to go Alabama over Georgia as my SEC pick. And conference player of the year is a tough one. Um, it is tough in the SEC. There's so much talent across the board. I really like your Kyle Trask pick, but because I'm not going to pick Florida, I can't really back it up there. So yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go with Mac Jones. Yeah. And I like and- Let's let's keep it just a buck here. I could be very well just marketing with Florida right now. Like, <laughs> this could be like the college football. Like we were waiting for it last year when it would happen. It didn't happen last year. This could it could happen this year because I don't think I went all in on a team like I'm going on Florida this year. So I'm honestly nervous that I'm gonna ruin like the potential for a good Florida season. But also I, I'm just that confident that they're gonna be that good. I absolutely have no problem with you picking Georgia over them. Like I mean, even without Newman. You know, JT Daniels is a guy that fits their system and, you know, was a guy at USC that looked pretty good. He just got hurt. So, 
I mean, if he and everyone was thinking that JT Daniels was going to be the guy that revived USC, instead it's Keaton Slovis, his backup, right? And it ends up just going crazy. So now, now Daniels and, and Georgia's system, I think that's a good pick. But I also like Mac Jones because I think Alabama probably has the two best receivers, like the best receiving duo in the country with Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. I think that uh, that duo is absolutely filthy. And obviously they're going to be able to run the football. So uh, it's tough to go against Alabama, but like I said, chomp, chomp. Yeah, so I think if the, if the college football playoff happens, my, my bracket is Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia. Okay. I would say Clemson, Florida, two SEC teams going Alabama, and then Oklahoma. Yeah, so, so we're both of the agreement that – Two SEC teams. It's it's winner of the Big Twelve, winner of the ACC, and whoever yeah. makes the first and second in the SEC. Really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I unless unless like Florida, unless like two teams from each of them are just so far and away better somehow, then maybe the second team that doesn't get to the SEC title game from whatever side maybe gets in. I doubt it though, but because I just don't think that's going to be the reality. But there's definitely a scenario to where like. Auburn has a really upsetting year and like no one else just steps up. And it's like, I mean, if people really think Georgia who did it, if Georgia or Florida, whoever doesn't make it out of those two was better than Alabama, then maybe, but I don't, I doubt it. I doubt it. it. It's a crazy scenario, but it could happen. The biggest reason I don't think that Notre Dame would make it a two ACC teams getting in is because they'd have to beat Clemson. They'd have to, they would be Clemson. Play Clemson. They already played Clemson in the regular season, and if they played them again in the ACC title game and they lost twice to Clemson, at that point, I think that that two those yeah. two losses to the same team would disqualify them from the discussion. Um, it was disqualified Baylor, yeah, from losing almost twice. Yeah, um, from a Heisman picking, I've already said Spencer Rattler. Who do you have? Are you get, are you willing to go all in on Kyle Trask? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> willing to go all in on Kyle Trask. I think. I mean, like I, it, it, when we talked about this on the money line, when I talked about my Mike Trout AL MVP pick, which looks really freaking good right now, um, it, it it's Trevor Lawrence. It, when you just have a player that dominant, that good, you just can't. There's no reason why you don't pick him to win. I know their odds aren't great or whatever. I mean, we're talking from a gambling standpoint here. We're getting the job done through gambling right now, but. Um, that's listen to the money line for that. But you just, there's no re like he's just the best player. He's in a great situation with a great roster around him. Kyle Trask is a great sleeper pick. That's why he was a dark horse, but he's not the, he's not the favorite. And there's a reason for that because Trevor Lawrence is way better. Said the same thing about Mike Trout. I know he was like plus 120 odds to win it, but when you're that good of a player and you're probably going to win it, you're going to make money like that. So put, Put it down on him. So I'm, I'm going with the same concept when I'm picking Trevor Lawrence here. All right. Let's go. So now we have our, our conference picks and national championship picks, college football playoff picks. Um, it, by the way, national championship picks. I would take okay. I would take Alabama over Clemson. So we're just going to – let's just think, right, so it's going to be the one – you think Clemson's going to be a one? There, yeah, I think Clemson goes undefeated. They go to they go the one seed. I think Oklahoma goes undefeated in the Big Twelve. They're the three seed. Alabama gets one, maybe one loss. 
in the mm-hmm. SEC, and but they win the conference and they become a two, and Georgia is the four. Okay, I think I'd have to agree with that. Going Clemson one, I'll put Florida at two, Oklahoma at three, and I'll go Alabama four. So you get we get Clemson Alabama first round for me taking Clemson. They'll make it there, and then Oklahoma Florida. That's a lot more interesting of a matchup, I think, for Oklahoma. Oklahoma is usually the team that can't win the first game of the college football playoff. But, man, yeah, that that would be an interesting matchup. I'll take Florida and Clemson, Florida National Championship. I'll take Clemson as well. I think they'll win that. Send Trevor Lawrence off to the NFL with, a, with another national championship under his belt. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Alabama beats Oklahoma and Clemson beats Georgia. And then that's probably a toss-up. But I'm going to say Alabama avenges their loss to Clemson two years ago in the national championship game and, and wins this one. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, top five storylines we're excited for in college football this fall. We can go back and forth. Okay. So, I mean, we talked about it kind of a little bit, but Sam Howell and UNC for me is one storyline I got to watch. This kid put up the record for passing touchdowns by a freshman last year. How can you not be excited for what he's looking to do in year two? Uh, UNC, again, to bring in a good, good recruiting class this year and a great one next year and probably another great one the year after that. So seeing what Sam Howell can do this year and how he develops just to build up that hype for what next year could potentially be for this North Carolina team. I'm excited to see what the Tar Heels can do, and I'm excited that they're going to be playing good in those beautiful jerseys they have. So it's going to look even better on the TV. So I'm, I'm really looking at Sam Howell and UNC as one of my favorite storylines this year. Yeah. So my number five is just along the same lines as yours. Young quarterback, I'm going to say, can Spencer Rattler continue the run of league quarterback play at Oklahoma? Uh, I We touched on this earlier. I don't see any reason why he doesn't. Lincoln Riley's just a quarterback genius. Uh, he's a quarterback guru, and every single guy that he has becomes a first or second-round pick and ends up in the Heisman ceremony in New York. I don't see why it would be any different for Spencer Rattler, aside from the fact that he – I don't know if he redshirted last year, but he's either a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore. So he gets two years with Lincoln Riley. Um, some people would say they think he, he might need a year to adjust and then he'd be crazy good next year. But I think there's a really good chance that he's great this year and great again next year. Um, I would actually lean on that being the case more than that this is a year where he kind of dips his toes in the water and then emerges next year. I think he's going to be great right away. Yeah. And I think that being in the Big 12 makes it so much easier for that to be the case just because the defenses are not filled with five stars all across the board. It's mostly the lower four-star guys or the mid-four-star mid guys. And schematically, they just always get to take advantage. So that's my number five. Your fourth. Okay. Also, you mentioned Big 12 and quarterbacks. I, I kind of want to talk about it earlier, but Brock Purdy for Iowa's uh-huh. Watch out. <laughs> he he could be the best quarterback in that conference this year, and he could just put up some absolutely ridiculous numbers for the Cyclones. I just want to make that known. People need to pay attention to Brock Purdy. He is he is going to be good for them this year. But that's not one of the storylines I'm looking at, although that's kind of like an – I'll put that as like an honorable mention. Okay. Brock, just Brock Purdy. Okay. Just Brock Purdy's storyline. Um, another one I'm looking at. We kind of talked about it a little bit. I asked you it. How good is Texas a I'm really – Last year against what was what was the set I was looking at? The last year Texas A&M faced four top ten teams over last yeah. year, right? Kellen Mond still a quarterback and a lot of hype, raw talent, all that. But I'm looking at the CBS kind of like their 
their insiders like pick them things for the SEC. And two have got Texas A&M second, two of them got them third, and the other two have them fourth. So obviously majority of them are thinking that Texas A&M is going to be a legitimate team this year in the SEC. It, it, I'm not so sure about it, but it's going to keep my eyes on them because you got people thinking that they could compete with Alabama, with LSU, with Auburn. I mean, those are the three teams year in and year out you know are going to be competitive in the SEC. And if they got Texas A&M in the same conversation as them, there are people that think that they could be dangerous. I don't know if that's the case, but I know I'll keep my eyes on them for the whole season. So that's why I've got them as a story for me to follow. If there is a team that would make an LSU-like leap, that has the talent to do so and just needs the quarterback play to be better. It is A&M. Yep. Um, I'm just going to stand by what I said earlier. I don't think that Kellen Mond is going to make that jump, but I wouldn't have said that I thought Joe Burrow was going to make that jump last year. And that yeah. happened. So along those same lines, my number four uh, storyline I'm excited to watch this fall is what does the Joe Burrow list LSU Tigers team look like? That it's really not even that simple. Uh, like like I mentioned earlier, they didn't just lose Burrow. They lost Justin Jefferson. They lost Jamar Chase. They lost Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They lost Joe Brady. They lost a ton of production on that offensive side of the ball. Still replacing it with a lot of talented guys, but what they end up looking like, what the finished product, what the, the national championship, defending national championship run looks like is going to be super intriguing. I can't wait to find out what, it, what the future holds for them. Mm-hmm. yeah I like that you know, I like that one a lot my third storyline to watch going with Notre Dame playing in a conference schedule just in general having to see Notre Dame playing a conference is something obviously we're not all used to seeing and them playing the ACC I think is even more interesting with how wild this this division could get this year you know obviously they're gonna have to play Clemson UNC's there and then teams like teams like Miami Louisville Wake Forest and Syracuse always just seem to just give good teams tough games year in and year out. Virginia was a team that's just, you know, they're not Vatek. Like, they, you've got a bunch of teams, Florida State, a bunch of teams that just give you, that can just be a hell matchup any week, just randomly. They might not be the best. They might not compete for the conference championship, but the ACC top to bottom could just be a tough conference sometimes to go and play. So I'm really, look, I'm really looking forward to see how, uh, Notre Dame handles an entire season of playing throughout the ACC. And I may think they're talented enough. Obviously we both think they're going to make the ACC championship game. So we'll see how Ian book and the boys get through it. And uh, it's going to be something that that team and, and that coaching staff is not used to going through, but we'll see if they can get through it. So I, that's pretty funny because your third is from the Notre Dame pers- perspective. Mm-hmm. My third, I put down does a divisionless ACC create more chaos and competition for Clemson? I think, I think we know that the answer is probably yes, but I'm intrigued to find out in what way, uh, shape, or form it, it comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm super excited to see what Notre Dame in, in the ACC looks like. I'm super excited for someone to finally, hope, finally hopefully push uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Tigers during the regular season mm-hmm. so that we don't, we don't get that constant debate of is Clemson coasting? Yeah were they the 2014 Florida state team, all this, yada, yada, yada. Um, so that's mine. How much, does, how much does a division free ACC change Clemson's national title out, outlook? Just look at that. That was, that was sick. Those two basically just piggyback off each other because why, I mean, AC, uh, Notre Dame playing the ACC, no, no division, like no, like no separate divisions. Like it just, that, 
uh, that was nice right there. And then on, and on top of that, I think obviously you've mentioned with um, we don't want to see Clemson coasting or we don't want that storyline. And I think it really flared up last year when UNC gave them a game. And that'll be interesting because now you, everyone's like, oh, yeah, UNC's legit. But no, no one would have thought that last year. And then that was the game like, oh, Clemson's just coasting again. But that was, that was good. And that was just anonymous work, too, of us picking that. So that's good work, too. Number two storyline, the race in the American. I talked about it earlier, but there are four teams that legitimately could win this conference. Like I said, I'm picking UCF, but it doesn't mean this isn't going to get crazy. Memphis is really good. Uh, SMU is a team that's interesting. Obviously, you've got UCF, and then you've got um, then you got UCF, Memphis, Cincinnati is the other fourth team up there. That's you know might be a little bit overrated, but Cincinnati is always a tough challenge year in year out. So I like keeping my eyes on the American. It'll be fun because they're kind of a replacement power conference this year. So that'll be fun to see. And though. their teams are all going to be littered in the AP Top Twenty Five now that we're completely free of uh, all the Big Ten teams, all of the Pac Twelve teams that would normally be in there. So so the AP rankings are. I think that's that's an honorable mention storyline for me is what do the AP top 25 rankings look like in a, yeah. year, in a year where you lose 26 options as to, to be ranked. Exactly. It's like the American is just, they get to be a power conference for a year. So let's just, let's just enjoy it. Like the American is a power conference, at least for this football season. And I'm excited to see their games being highlighted in big games of the week. I mean, the SMU Memphis game last year, I know, because we watched it, one of, the, one of the most electric games last year. And that, that game is going to get more attention this year in games like that. So I'm excited to see what – I guess, like, that could be the race in the American slash the American being a power conference this season is going to be enjoyable. Yeah, they're going to get to take advantage of really favorable TV slots, and it, it could be a great year for their brand. Um, and if we're talking about implications, things that – we didn't foresee happening that could come of a year like this. It could be more respect for the American, which gets them further into real playoff conversations down the road. My number two is completely a joke. Um, is Texas back? <laughs> Do we get a, an elite season from Sam Ellinger and can they finally get past Oklahoma and make their first college football playoff because no Big 12 team aside from Oklahoma has made the playoff. Um, TCU and Baylor were super close the first year of the playoff. Uh, did not get in over against in a, in a matchup against Ohio State, and Ohio State went on to win the national championship. Since then, Oklahoma has keeps getting in every year, keeps getting relatively thumped aside from the Rose Bowl against Georgia with Baker Mayfield there. So – is Texas back, and can they get to the, the college football playoff? Kind of a joke, but also kind of serious because they have the talent to. Absolutely. And we saw that last year, and we all were thinking Texas – I mean, literally our key check promo video for us coming back on the airwaves last year was Sam Ellinger saying we're back. And that we, we all embodied that we thought Texas was going to be a team, especially that early game against LSU last year. We all thought that this Texas team is going to compete by the end of the year, and this is going to be one of the biggest games when we look back at it. It was a great game. But Texas just never ended up being the team we thought. LSU ended up not being the team we thought either and being the best team in the world. So that, that was crazy. And then I think this year it's the same story. Sam Ellinger was disappointing last year, at least in my eyes. I think he was, had a real letdown season. I'm interested to see how he comes back this year and tries to prove people wrong that maybe he turned, that he turned away from last year. So last storyline I'm looking at, 
on my list, potential for an Oklahoma, Oklahoma State Big 12 championship game. I'm really, with the way these two teams match up, Oklahoma State's roster is loaded, led by Chuba Hubbard, probably the best running back in the country, one or at least one of. But the way he ran last year, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year in Mike Gundy's offense. And then obviously Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma, year in, year out, well oiled machine. How are these two teams, this rivalry is going to go in a Big 12 championship game? I'm excited. I'm hoping that's. I'm hoping that's the outcome because I'm going to be following obviously these two teams, these two teams very closely, seeing how they play, and I'd just love to see that matchup in a Big 12 championship game, probably for a spot in the College Football Playoff. So uh, that would be really exciting. My number one is how competitive is the Georgia Florida matchup this year, and will the winner actually compete against the SEC West winner, and will we get a super competitive SEC championship game. I think both of us have mentioned it. Um, we've had some really good SEC championship games as of late. Um, and the, the debate has been, should two SEC teams get into the college football playoff? We think that um, in a year where there's really only three power conferences playing plus the American, we believe that, the SEC East winner is also getting into the playoff. So I'm, I would be shocked if it's anyone other than Georgia or Florida. You mentioned Tennessee. We'll see about that one. Yeah, um, not really. So there'll be a team that competes, and I think they end up finishing third. But I don't think they have a real shot at making the college football playoff. I mean, despite a miracle season. But, but they could easily I'll finish third. They could easily finish, finish comfortably in third ahead mm -hmm. of – Missouri, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky. Yes. And it would not shock me if they finish third and they have a win against Georgia or Florida, which is one of the, the blemishes on, on one of those teams from going to the playoff. Yep. Yeah, so, for sure. All right. Those were our top storylines for college football this fall. Um, let's talk real quickly before we go. Um, a little short, shorter episode than normal for Heat Check, but – uh, sometimes that's just the way it goes. What we're thinking, the NCAA, uh, a report came out last week that the NCAA is considering uh, doing a bubble, trademarking trademarking a name for, I think, Battle in the Bubble, mm -hmm. something along the lines, um, and could be doing bubbles for non-conference tournaments. They could be doing bubbles for the NCAA tournament. Um, we obviously hope that there's a vaccine before then. We can get back to some in-person uh, hoops, uh, put games back in Cameron Indoor Stadium, Allen Fieldhouse, all these big venues. And selfishly that we get to see Josh Christopher in person uh, in Tempe. With yeah. that being said, what are your thoughts on the, on the potential of, of college basketball in a bubble? Oh, I, I love it. And I definitely would cop a shirt that says battle in the bubble with whatever logo the NCAA comes up with, because I mean, the March Madness logo is great and it, the shirt would probably just look elite. And I talked to you about it. I just love the fact that we're going to have to have bubble watch for teams in the bubble, double bubble. I, I think that's great too. And I think that's going to create for, I mean, it's just, I love the atmosphere of the bubble, you know, watching the NBA playoffs, obviously it, it's the NBA playoffs. So everyone's tuned in, but it's just so cool to see these guys basically just, it just gives such a casual like feel almost, but you know how serious it is. You can see the intensity on the court, but yet you have a section where it's just a bunch of, a bunch of like 
family, wives, kids, and then Russell Westbrook turning around and yelling, let's go, or something to the crowd. And it's like – Probably not that PG, but yeah. No, definitely not that PG if you watched the Lakers <laughs> Lakers Rockets game the other night. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's just so awesome to see. And I think, you know, you know Kyle Lowry I, – we talked about this, like Kyle Lowry telling Aaron Gordon what his room number was, like come to my room or whatever, and then we can talk it out. And it's just the, the intensity is there, and those are the professionals. I mean, these guys are kids, you know, battling to get into the NBA, battling, you know, because they're on scholarship, they're going to school for free. Like, they're, they're just they're, – the intensity is going to be ramped up. They're all going to be in one spot, and it's just going to be dogfights night in, night out. I'll like talk about it again. I'll bring it up one more time. The greatest neutralizer when it comes to games like this is neutral court. And who's going to be better? And then in college basketball, that gets crazy. If we get a college basketball bubble in Maui for that tournament – we're going to see those Maui rims once again. The bubble the bubble atmosphere with the Maui rims could create for some unbelievable outcomes. So, I mean, yeah. It, and more importantly, if there's a, if this is the way to get college basketball, that's the way I care. It doesn't matter to me how you can get it done. I just really hope they can get it done because, like you said, being a little selfish, I want to see this ASU team from Martin, Josh Christopher, Lonzo Verge. I mean, this is going to be the most loaded team they've had in a while. Not to mention other teams like Illinois has got a really good team this year that I really want to see play. I want to see what Kansas can do. You know, I mean, they're not going to be the team they were last year, but Kansas is Kansas at the end of the day, Duke, Kentucky, I mean, all these teams. I mean, it, you, you want to see them play because I feel like we say this every time recruiting season, it's kind of over for college basketball, but this college basketball season is like going to be a really good one. A lot of talent across the board, and especially in the Pac-12 too. So I'm really looking forward to it. If that could happen, I say bubble, battle in the bubble, green light let it go let's do it yeah and I think one of the interesting parts about uh what we've seen from the NBA bubble and from the hockey bubble when it was the qualifying round and the first round of the playoffs was having games on in the early morning middle afternoon if if we do get these college basketball bubbles and they split the I think Matt Norlander at CBS Sports had written an article that he said do brackets and and bubble and bracket the the non-conference schedule do 32 team brackets in different geographically convenient locations across the country Mm -hmm. Uh, that could be super interesting because that would there's a chance that we would get basketball throughout the day and have these kids play games in the afternoon uh create a, a march madness type bracket vibe during the non-conference season um if it can't be normal i think it needs to be just super wacky um and super fun for uh the viewing experience and then and i'm sure it will be i think something's going to get figured out um it certainly seems like it's trending in that direction um but we'll see what happens yeah in our in the words of our guy john rothstein anarchy no it's just called basketball and that's what it would be with the brackets, and I'm all for it. I, I, and I'm all with you on that. If it can't be normal, let's just try and make it as chaotic and try things out like what the MLB is doing. This is your time to try things out. Why not do it? Yeah, see what the see what rules can can be worked on um, and see what happens. I think the, the I've seen Orlando be talked about as a, as a possibility for the tournament. Indianapolis makes sense because the NCAA headquarters are there. There's so many – so many high school gyms that are available in Indiana, Indiana, if you wanted to, they are more than big enough to broadcast games. You said Maui. I don't know how, how much the uh, 
now you're going to love having tons and tons of college teams and kids <laughs> there, but um colleges would love it. kids would love it. anything <laughs> it's i think it's doable um i just don't know if it'll i honestly don't know if it will be necessary i think yeah. um I think college football kind of got screwed over because they anticipated things getting better mm-hmm. um, in time for the season. And that's why the Big Ten and Pac-12 pulled the plug because they didn't feel comfortable with where things had progressed to. Yep. But if things keep progressing um, in, a, in better shape by late November, early December, maybe a bubble is not necessary and maybe, maybe we get relatively close to a, a semi-normal college basketball season and they can pull off the um the same nba or mlb style where the the playoffs are bubbled just to be safe yeah just a bubbled ncaa tournament yeah so we'll see where it goes once again thank you for following us uh listening to the show you can subscribe rate review on apple podcast spotify follow us on twitter at heat check underscore show we got a new at we changed things up a little bit um with a little situation um, that I think most people following the show would understand or, or know about. We don't really want to get too much into that, but thanks for listening to the show for Griffin Peters, Gabe Swartz and the missing Peyton Gallagher. Peace out. Everybody gotta know that we next Doesn't matter if it's Sunday or Monday You know that we flex You can never make it more obvious You checking for the heat, that's cold Headed to the top of the top of this You can never reach these hoes in the booth and we spin the truth We inspire the youth and we get to the loop You do what it does and we do what it do We turn to the max and they got you on mute Flow so high so you know I had to run it back Blazers apart and we ride like a running back Gabe brought shock so you know we have having fun with that Turn you in the off so you know we ain't no coming back Now we done with that